This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Reds v Blues, it's derby night under the lights at Anfield. I'm Guy Clark and this is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast here on Blood Red. As we get ready to talk about the Blues, we'll cross Stanley Park to get the lowdown on just what the sticking point's been for the Toffees so far this season, ask just how long Marco Silva has left in the Goodison Park hot seat and how much confidence or not Everton hold of ending their Anfield hoodoo. Joining us to do all that and more is the Echoes Everton reporter, Adam Jones. Adam, thanks for uh, joining me and first things first when we do these podcasts I'm so often phoning someone up it's nice to actually have someone in the studio yeah 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 yeah. thanks for uh for joining us I'm a fan of your sticky toffee pun by the way Uh, yeah thanks I I thought I thought someone might notice that but in terms of that it has been a sticky season so far easy question to start with just what is going on I wish I knew, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I think that's the question that Everton fans, probably Everton players, Everton staff, uh, every, everyone around the club is asking the same question at the minute. And it just feels like essentially everything that could have gone wrong this season does seem to be going wrong. Uh, there's a bunch of injury issues. Obviously, there's a couple of long-term injuries to midfielders in particular that have really hampered the, the club. A uh, couple of really dodgy VAR decisions as well as uh, haven't helped, but at the same time, the players just don't seem to be performing. The manager's struggling to uh, get consistent results out of them. And it's left Everton teetering above the relegation zone, which is where no Everton fan wants to see them, really. Yeah, I suppose it'd probably be easy to work backwards from the point we're at now to where things perhaps started to perhaps unravel for Everton this season. But looking at the table right now, 14 games played, one of a host of clubs in the Premier League who have won four games, mm. but it's the amount of defeats. I mean, you you look at sixth place Wolves, they've won as many games as Everton and they sit level with Tottenham in fifth, whereas Everton are just two points above the relegation zone. Because Everton, unfortunately, have found it too easy to get beat this season. Uh, especially, you know, the thing that sticks out with most Everton fans so far this season is that they've lost to all three promoted sides, two of them at home and uh, all of them by a score of 2-0. And in all of those games, really, it never really looked like Everton were going to win them, which is which is a really, really concerning thing, you know, for a side that started the season with the ambition of, you know, perhaps breaking into that top six, you know, that's an exciting summer, an exciting end to last season. There was a real feeling that Everton could, you know, build some consistency, build some momentum. Uh, the you know, the fixture list at the start of the season was pretty favourable, you know, throughout the summer. Everton fans were thinking, yeah, this is a good way to be able to build up some points heading into where we are now, which is a really tough December run. Uh, Maybe it was a little bit naive to be looking at it like that, but, you know, it shouldn't have been. Like, Everton have massively underperformed. And, you know, when you look at the league table like that, I think it's 14 games, uh, 14 points, 14 goals scored. I think the best way to describe Everton's season so far is just consistently inconsistent. You know, they haven't managed back-to-back wins in the Premier League yet this season, which, you know, for the for the teams that we've played, and, you know, it's no disrespect to anyone in the Premier League, uh, for the teams that Everton have played, they really should have uh, got back-to-back wins so far. So that's what's really frustrating fans at the minute. Especially with that ambition of wanting to, to take that next step and actually knock on and, and be, I suppose, this season's Leicester City. That was what Everton fans, I suppose, were sold before the it, season began. Well, exactly. You know, before the season started, we were thinking, you know, uh, us uh, 
Leicester and Wolves were probably going to be the ones who were going to be the real challenges for that top six. And uh, it, probably the most frustrating thing for Everton fans at the minute is that you see in Leicester who, you know, if you put the squads of players next to each other, I'd say they've got pretty similar standards uh, between Leicester and Everton in terms of quality of player. But Brendan Rodgers has come in and he's just absolutely transformed the way they play. He's signed specific players for that system that just seem to be gelling so well together. You know, he's managed to, well, I think one of the big things is that he's managed to name an unchanged starting lineup for six games in a row, which, you know, I think Marco Silva would love to be able to do that and he hasn't been able to do it. But at the same time, it just frustrates Everton fans to see Leicester, who finished below Everton last season, just absolutely flying high at the top of the league and fair play to them. They, you know, they've they've made themselves really difficult to beat and, you know, they're grinding out wins wherever they can. And it, it none of that just seems applicable to Everton at the minute. And it, it it's hard really because you, Everton should be. Everton should be up there. And I think, you know, the fans know it. I think, you know, the players and the staff at Everton will know it as well. So it it's really tough to, <laughs> to see Everton, uh, Everton performing so badly while Leicester are flying high it, it, it just doesn't make any sense really and you mentioned the consistently inconsistent theme and I suppose that's something that's run even even through games for Everton this season mm. where there'll be periods in games even thinking back to Sunday's defeat against Leicester for large parts of it Everton were looking consistent a new shape it was working well two lapses in concentration showing that inability to perhaps have that consistency even through a 90 minute performance Two errors, two goals for Leicester. And looking at that game in isolation, that's that's where I can really feel for Marco Silva because it wasn't his system that let him down. You know, he switched to a five at the back. I think they were shaky in part, but I think in general that five at the back system seemed to work quite well. Where it let the side down, unfortunately, was individual mistakes again. For the first goal, Tom Davis loses out in a 50-50 that he'll be disappointed about. And then Mason Holgate loses Jamie Vardy at the back post. Two individual headers, nothing to do with Silver's system. And suddenly Leicester are back in the game. Then for the uh, the winner in stoppage time, Tom Davis misses a four-yard pass. And then Leicester go up the other end and score. There's nothing Marco Silva can do about that. You, you know, you can't, you can't be coaching your central midfielders to play a four-yard pass. So I, th- I think the thing that will stick with Everton fans most is that the club's game management so far this season just has been uh, woeful, <laughs> to to be brutally honest. Uh, I think the only time that you could say, you know, they've maybe battled back from a bit of adversity was against Southampton uh, last month. Uh, they got pegged back and somehow managed to fight back away from home and still secure a 2-1 win. They had the chance to do that against Leicester, you know, when Vardy equalised uh, and weren't able to do it. And the problem is that Everton still haven't fought back from behind to win a Premier League game under Marco Silva like in, in in all of his time at Goodison so far, which you know is shocking, really, because well you don't you don't want to fall behind in games, but even when you do fall, fall behind, you want to be able to fight back and win. And Everton just haven't managed to do that so far this like, you know under this manager, which he absolutely won't be happy about, and. It, you know, it, it's starting to th- feel like there's some sort of mentality issue there. Yeah, that's that everyone sort of seems to have at the ready for every time Everton concede now. Mm. The first goal in a game. But 
looking just sort of in, in more depth at how the season's played out so far, you mentioned that favourable fixture list, and it certainly was that. The likes of Palace, Watford, Aston Villa, Wolves, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, that being the first six games of the season and garnering only three wins from it. But it really is... The Spurs game is obviously the only draw you've had since the opening day of the season against Crystal Palace. Mm. And a number of those defeats haven't been by the odd goal. They've been, as you said before, certainly against the newly promoted sides as well, by at least a two-goal margin. But the win over Southampton just before the international break seemed to be as though there was going to be a turning point. That was going to be Mm -hmm. it. Got the win there, headed into the international break. A bit of the dark clouds lifted. Came back in that Norwich game. I remember in the office, everyone talking about it. Back at Goodison against the side who were freely conceding goals Mm. and Everton couldn't score against them. Yeah, it's massively frustrating. And I think it was just the latest of a season of false dawns, really. Even after the first couple of games of the season, you know, a draw and a win to start the first two games of the season wasn't wasn't the worst it uh, could have been better but you know Everton were going into that game against Aston Villa I remember and they could have gone top of the league you know for you know for just for a brief spell because we were the Friday night game but could have gone top of the league missed that opportunity uh, had chances to break into the top six etc missed keep missing the opportunities and then as you say going into that Southampton game and then you know being able to get that win out of it it did feel like a turning point because in between those two international breaks there, that was three wins out of five games in all competitions, you know, including that win over Watford as well in the in the League Cup, which, you know, could could turn out to be a crucial win. But, you know, the three wins in five games, suddenly you're thinking, all right, well, this is a this is a nice little turn of form. Uh, they were pegged back in that game and they managed to fight back and win. You know, suddenly you're thinking, yeah, this mentality is right. And then, yeah, as you say, coming into a game against the promoted side who... Uh, you know, they've, they've played some really nice football this season, you know, obviously beat Man City on their own turf. You know, they, 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 they set themselves up to be a dangerous team, but everyone knew their weakness and you know, they can't really keep goals out. But for some reason, Everton just weren't able to do anything about it. You know, they played Cenk Tosin up front, played Gilfie Sigurdsson in just behind them. That's £70 million worth of talent. And they weren't able to break through a Norwich team who was struggling to defend which, you know, is a massive indictment on Everton's season in general so far. You know, Norwich found it all too easy to come away from Goodison Park with all three points. And, you know, eh, that's why you heard and there was chance in the second second half of, you know, you're getting sacked in the morning towards Silver. You know, there was an irate Goodison uh, fan uh, with Bill Kenwright at the end of the game as well. You know, you know it, 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 it it's just... It's just heartbreaking to see stuff like that, to be honest, uh, after what should have been uh, a nice way to get, you know, your first back-to-back wins in the Premier League. You've managed to turn it on its head and suddenly you're going into, you know, what is a horrible run of fixtures in December. You should have been going on into it at least on the back of two wins. You know, those if a win there could have pushed Everton up to, you know, eighth or ninth in the table, something like that, and suddenly 17th. And uh, it's looking pretty grim. We'll have a chat on Marco Silva shortly indeed. But from that last answer you gave, there's so many different paths to go down. The fixture list coming up is another big one to talk about. But Mm. before that, just one of the comments you made there about Cenk Tosin and Gilfie Sigurdsson, £70 million worth of talent. Since Farhad Mashiri's coming in, an awful lot of money now has been spent at Everton and consistently through window after window, manager after manager, 
you're at Goodison every every other week. You're there seeing how the fans feel. Is almost the well of excuses for why it's not quite worked now running dry because Everton have spent the money mm-hmm. and they've looked at players and they've tried to whether it be going down a mathematical mathematical model of well this player's done it in a certain league we can bring him across whether it's been on instinct whether it's been form players they've literally gone down every avenue homegrown players every avenue they can mm. it's, it's not working no <laughs> I, I do completely agree I w- I, what I would say is in the last two summers uh, the money has been spent much better I think they've spe- they've still spent massive amounts of money but you know look at Marco Silva's first summer and you're seeing 40 million spent on Richarlison. I think he's been one of Everton's best players since then. I think 40 million well spent. He's close to signing a new deal now. I think that shows just how much he's valued at Everton. Luca Dean as well, a lot of money to bring him into the club. And, you know, he's one of the best, (laughs) one of the best left backs in the Premier League now. So, you know, Everton are spending their money a little bit better. Uh, And I think last, last summer as well, you know, there's a lot of money spent to bring Iwobi into the club. I think he still needs time to settle and adjust. Certainly Moise Keane still needs time to settle and adjust. Uh, Jean-Philippe Gabamin, injured, big money signing. Andre Gomez, big money signing, injured. So yeah, things, I think there still are excuses there for how it's not working, but, you know, it's you can't you can't look past, you know, big money signings of years gone by and of managers gone by as well. You know, Sam Allardyce likes to peddle this thing that he didn't spend loads of money at Everton. Yeah, he spent 27 million to bring Cenk Tosin uh, to the club, around 20 million to bring Theo Walcott to the club as well. And you can say neither of them have lived up to that price tag. The Walcott's been better over the last couple of weeks, but certainly not the kind of player that we thought we were bringing into the club. And then even before that, the summer of 2017 was just you know, disastrous really. And Gilfie Sigurdsson, 45 million is a lot of money. And I think, you know what, last season he finished as club's top scorer. Doug Everton out of a lot of holes last season. So he probably lived up to his price tag then. He's not doing it anymore. Uh, but that summer was defined by, you know, Davy Classen coming into the club for big money. You know, made a huge loss on him by the time he left just a season later. Uh, Sandro Ramirez as well, while he what, didn't command a huge transfer fee his wages have just been absolutely astronomical and they've left Everton stuck with him almost and sending him out on loan every season. So yeah, Farhad Mashiri absolutely will not be happy with how his how his money's been spent. I think I, I don't think you can really look at him as as a and or criticize him in any sort of way because yeah. he's he's trusted in people you well, know, that's the thing with he... it with a good pedigree, you know. Ronald Koeman had a fantastic yep. pedigree. Steve Walsh had a fantastic pedigree when they came to Everton. You know, Farhad Mashiri should have been able to trust in these kind of people to be able to spend his money right, and it hasn't happened so far. Yeah, and Everton. When you get to the end of every window, seem to be the club that have won the window. That, as you say, before it, all of the thinking seems to add up. Yet the end result is nowhere near and I suppose the guy who's really carrying the can right now certainly with the fans is Marco Silvery Mm -hmm. was touted for the job long before he got it of course when he was still Watford's manager (laughs) after that defeat to Norwich I think a lot of people had seen him the writing on the wall and thought he was going to be off since then Unai Emery's been sacked at Arsenal Kike Sanchez Flores at his old club Watford he's still hanging on in there Marco Silva you do begin to wonder, certainly from the outside, how mm. much longer he's got left. 
I don't think it's even just, just from the outside, to be honest. I think it was really talent to hear those sort of chants, you know, and it was from sections of the home crowd, don't get me wrong, it wasn't the whole wasn't the whole of Goodison Park, but, you know, when sections of the home crowd start to turn against you like that, that's when you can kind of sort of sense the beginning of the end, at least. It's happened with managers in the past. Uh, Ronald Koeman had it in a game against Arsenal, funnily enough, uh, lost 5-2. Uh, fans voted with their feet at that time. I think a couple of days later, he, he was gone. Uh, Roberto Martinez had a protest against them after a match against Bournemouth, which Everton actually won. Uh, then he lost to Leicester and lost to Sunderland and he was gone. So, you know, Marco Silva will no doubt be feeling the pressure. Uh, I think he'll have been buoyed a little bit by just before the Leicester game. Uh, Marcel Brands coming out and saying, look, we need to be unified as a club. We can't keep chopping and changing uh, managers and all these different kinds of things. You know, we need unity to be able to progress and see this long-term idea through. And I think Marcus Silva will have been buoyed by that. You know, it, it will have been nice for him to hear. Uh, it will have earned him respite for, you know, certainly for the Leicester game, certainly for this Merseyside derby as well. But you still get the feeling that if results just, if results don't start picking up and start turning around, you know, Marco Silva is changing things in the way he's doing things now. You know, he switched to a five at the back against Leicester and it didn't didn't bring the results, but... He, you know, he is trying to change things in any way he can. You know, at some point you feel if he doesn't start picking up results, how much is he going to be able to change the way he does things before the management just go, right, well, we need to change you in, in general. There's only so much you can do. It, it, it It's really hard to judge. You know, for, for all we know, he could get a re- result at Anfield. You know, he could get a result against Chelsea uh, at Goodison Park a few days later, and that could be the springboard you know, for him to finally push Everton back up the table. I think what what he will find lucky at the minute is that while Everton are 17th, it's not exactly a big chasm up yeah. to, you know, perhaps even maybe sixth in the table. I think there's only six points separating yeah. separating Everton from sixth in the table. So, you fifth know. up to Tottenham, yeah, on 20. So, I mean, you know, if... if Weirdly enough, at the start of the season, if you had said to Everton fans, look, by the time the start of December comes round, you'll be six points away from fifth. The Everton fans probably would have went, oh, that sounds, that maybe sounds all right. <laughs> but like when you look at the league table, it's absolutely far from all right. Yeah. So Marco Silva will be looking at that and thinking, look, there is a way to be able to progress up the table, but you know, you've got to start picking up results soon because you know this is a cutthroat industry that we're that we're in at the minute and Farhad Mashidi has shown in the past that he's not scared to make these tough decisions. I think what's maybe working in Silva's favour at the minute is the last time this happened under Ronald Koeman, uh, there was a month in between Koeman being sacked and then Allardyce being brought in as sort of a panic sort of scenario. And uh, that month of a manager search was a bit embarrassing really. You know, it included that approach, that failed approach to Watford for Silva yeah, and it was a bit of an embarrassment, really. And I think maybe Mashidi's learned from that a little bit. And he doesn't want to get rid of a manager without a plan to get someone else in in place. So maybe that is that is providing a little bit of respite for Silva and maybe that's providing him a little bit more time. But as you say, if these results keep continuing, you, you just wonder how much time that he's going to be allowed. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel.
from beating West Ham in mid-October, from international break to international break, it was three wins in five, as you say. Lost the last two since then, so it's now only two wins in six, three defeats in that time. And one of those wins was, of course, the League Cup win over Watford. So one win in five in the Premier League, hardly the time where in your next half a dozen games or so you want to be playing Liverpool away Chelsea at home Manchester United away League Cup game with Leicester Arsenal at home and Burnley at home before a trip to Newcastle sees the year out on on New Year's Day it's a trip to the Etihad it isn't it's probably as harsh a run of fixtures as any club could wish to have yeah (laughs) when you put it like that it's uh, it's not great is it (laughs) like but and you know, I wrote in a piece after the Leicester game as well. This is Marco Silva has essentially made it as difficult for himself as he possibly can, and he will be looking at it in the most positive light as possible. And he'll be thinking to himself, "Look, if these players can't get themselves up for these sort of games, and they can't, you know, step up for the for the fans, for his staff, you know, for the club in general, if these players can't do that in these sort of games, then." What's the point? <laughs> They're not going to be able to do it in any sort of game. And I would argue that last season in particular, Everton played better in these sort of games than they did in, you know, games against, you know, sides that were finishing in the bottom half of the table, let's say. Uh, you know, <laughs> towards the end of last season, there was obviously that hard four draw in the Derby at Goodison. Absolutely hammered United 4-0 at Goodison Park wins over Arsenal and Chelsea at Goodison Park as well. So Marco Silva will be looking at that and be thinking, I can, I can motivate these players in these games. The fans especially can get behind the squad in these sort of games a little bit more. And, you know, I think that the Leicester game probably does credit that point of view in a way. I think it, it's... For the amount of pressure that Marco Silva's under, it, it's not as if he's lost this squad of players. This squad of players are absolutely still playing for him, and I think you can look at that Leicester game as as evidence for that. You know, these these players left Everton on the pitch there. They, they put their heart and soul into it. It's just that at the end of the day, Leicester are a really good team, and they managed to get the win. The problem that Marco Silva has is that he's playing a lot of really good teams <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. So, you know, for the for whatever amount of heart and effort Everton put into each of these games, there's a real chance that they could lose each of these games. So it is probably as hard as it can get, but Marco Silva will absolutely be hoping it, it instills some sort of real fire inside these Everton players. You know, that's what the fans are going to want to see. And especially... I, th- I think this this Merseyside derby, you're going to learn a lot about this Everton squad. You know, are they going to be up for this sort of fight? This is this is the one that Everton fans want to win more than any other over these over these next few weeks. Like this is the one where the players need to stand up and be counted. So, are they going to be able to do it? Only time will tell. But it, it, I think looking at last season, they can do it. You know, especially in the Anfield derby last season, I think that's probably the best. I've ever seen Everton play in, a, in an Anfield derby. And I think that's probably me showing me age at this point, but that that's probably the best I've seen Everton play. You know, they really took the game to Liverpool. Could have been 2-0 up at half-time. Eventually lost in a interesting circumstances, <laughs> uh, let's say. But, uh, you know, that sort of level of desire and passion 
has to be the norm for Everton going into Anfield derbies now. And I think if Everton fans see that again tomorrow, maybe there's still there's still something there. Maybe they'll be able to take that into the next few games. But if they don't see that tomorrow, the pressure's only going to be building. And in terms of that fixture list, of course, it comes to an end. The first weekend of January, FA Cup third round tie has been pulled out at Anfield. Unbelievably, Liverpool v Everton once more. Um, but in terms of looking at the fixtures, setting all of that aside and talking about the game, the Merseyside derby, of course, Everton haven't won at Anfield, don't need me to tell you, since September 99. Mm-hmm. Over 20-year wait now. And of course, a lot of Reds. No one likes Derby Day. Everybody gets nervous and a mm. complete bag full of nerves. But if there's one thing niggling in the back of any Reds' minds, it it's the fact that law of averages suggests that Everton at some stage will win at Anfield. It will happen. Mm. Whether it's this game, it looks, you'd have to say on the face of it, highly unlikely. But back in 99, where it was Kevin Campbell, if you read this time, Moyes Keane, and it's a win for Marco Silva, you would get the feeling that that would do unbelievable things for Everton. Oh yeah, 100%. I think like a, a win at Anfield would be arguably more valuable to Silva than any anything he's had as as Everton manager so far. I think that that, that would be his defining victory as manager. And, you know, it, it, especially in the amount of, under the amount of pressure he finds himself now, like this, this could be the thing that he clings on to, something that he can really build on uh, as, as we head into a really tough run of fixtures. And I think, you know, Everton fans are under no illusion that this this won't be easy. <laughs> this is, this is probably going to be the hardest Anfield derby that Everton have had in you know those twenty years in between in between victories. You, over the, over the last few years, there have been moments where Everton and Liverpool have gone into these kind of matches much closer. You know, Ever, Ever, Everton have really have really been. I think some some matches Everton have been ahead of Liverpool in the table and coming into these matches. And have still managed to, still managed to throw it away. Like Everton fans are starting to wonder whether there's some sort of mentality issue going into Anfield. I don't know what it is, but I think this is the this is the biggest gap there's been between the two teams in terms of form, in terms of confidence, in terms of playing style in in years and years. And you know, this is it, it, it's almost as if we're looking at the fixture list. This is the most difficult it could have been for Marco Silva. I think this game in particular is probably the most difficult it could have been. And, you know, Alisson's going to be out and Fabinho's going to be out, but Everton are going to have massive injury problems of their own. And they're the coming into this game, the, I, I would argue they're probably going to play five at the back again, which, you know, is a system that they don't look the most comfortable in. But it's a it's necessity that they're going to have to play in that sort of system and yeah it 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 it, it's looking unlikely that Everton are going to be able to pick up a win here but you know as you say if 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 Everton can just keep Liverpool out hit them on the counter attack and as you say if Moise Keane can bag his first his first goal for the club as an Anfield winner then you know that that would be a major confidence boost not just for the players and the staff but for the fans as well and you know, especially you got going into a tough game against Chelsea, that could be the cat the catalyst that you need to 
you know, push that Goodison atmosphere back up to where it needs to be. And then suddenly you could, you could see Everton build up a little bit of momentum as they did towards the end of last season and maybe push up the table. So yeah, this is a massive game. And you'd have the cynics saying, certainly after what you said about last time Everton sacked the manager and how embarrassing it was really to find the replacement when it happened mid-season, that people would be saying that perhaps Silver's fate has been decided this run of games. If there's any time to keep the dead man walking, it would be now through this bad run. So when a new manager came in, he could perhaps get the bounce. But should he win this game, have, has if that decision's been made that would leave Everton in a very awkward position itself because it would probably, as you say, it'd be the biggest thing for a generation for Everton fans mm-hmm. and it would probably buy him, you'd probably guess, another two or three months in the job. Uh, I, I find it hard to to suggest that his future lies on one game in particular. I think there'll be, there'll be a fair section of Everton fans, even if Everton win, thinking that Silva still isn't the right man. I think in terms of how the club will be thinking, you know, if he if he wasn't going to be sacked after the Norwich game, then as long as he gets a result against Liverpool, then it should be enough to keep him in a job, at least until the Chelsea game, maybe. But like, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's becoming increasingly hard to work on this game by game sort of basis yep. with, with, with the manager, like, there was there were questions over whether he'd be in charge for the Leicester game, and you know, obviously the Marcel Brands came out with the statement, and then he is. There were questions whether he'd be even in charge for this game, and then you know, it became clear uh, yesterday that he would be in charge for this game. You know, it, it it's becoming it's becoming just a little bit. It, it's probably stressful, really, for Marco Silva more than anything. That you know, he's he could be sat there wondering, oh, am I, I going to be in charge for this game? This game. Now, if he if he gets a result at Anfield, like it 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 will be, it will be the probably the biggest result that he will have had as Everton manager so far because he's never been under this amount of pressure as Everton manager so far. He had a period in December and January, February ish last last year where he was under a significant amount of pressure as well. Farhad Mashiri at that point came out and said, "Look, no, we need to be united and be be behind the manager, etc." We've had no such words from. The owner this time around, he's staying, staying quiet. But Marcel Brands has come out and said something similar. So he will, he will, he will feel, he will be feeling the heat definitely. And I don't know, a result against Liverpool could be huge for him, but I'd be, uh, I, I wouldn't want to say much, much more than that because you, you just don't know how the rest of the results are going to go. Like if it, if it comes to, if it comes to the new year, and Everton is still in this position, you wonder. You you wonder what position the club might take uh, if it comes to the new year and Everton have managed to springboard them right back up into the battle for sixth. It, 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 the club's hand's been forced a little bit in that sense as well. So it 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 it's really really hard to judge at the minute. But as you say, this this game could be massive. We'll wrap things up with just a couple to to finish on. I want to ask you for a prediction because I always say on this. Uh, show that he's not really no no one wins with a a prediction ahead of a game <laughs> certainly not a derby but looking at last year's game at Anfield I have to say Adam you might want to shield your ears the Divock Origi derby mm. looking at the sides you mentioned Everton perhaps likely to stay with this uh, three four three if if that's what we're going to dub that they uh-huh. played at the weekend 
one glaring omission for myself. And obviously, Gabamin was brought in in the summer, but has been injured ever since. Mm-hmm. How much, perhaps, is Everton's issues this year, certainly in that midfield, down to the fact that there's no Drissa Garnagay anymore? It's massive. It's, it's absolutely huge. And uh, before, before he left, I don't think anyone but Everton fans knew how crucial he was to Everton's setup. You know, he's gone to PSG now and we're seeing people all over Europe raving about his performances and Everton fans have been sat there going, well, he's been doing that for <laughs> for Everton for years. Uh, he is he is an incredible player. He is so energetic. He reads the game so well. And I think what was really important, especially towards the end of last season, is he added another string to his bow in that he was much more much more comfortable in bringing the ball forward and linking up play, you know, towards the final third of the pitch. And uh, that's something that we didn't see a lot from him, uh, to be honest, uh, up until the back end of last season. Before that, he was, you know, sort of like the N'Golo Kante was to to Leicester. You know, he was that tough tackler. He was just that engine. He was the guy the who seemed to always top the tackle statistic. Exactly, exactly yeah. yeah. He, he was always that player where, you know, if, if, the, if the opposition were breaking, you were thinking, ah, well, it's just a guy's going to have them. Like <laughs> he, he just seemed like a, a constant thorn in the side of any of any attacking team. He was just such a nuisance for anyone trying to break through uh, the Everton the Everton back line, and Everton just haven't haven't had anybody to be able to do that uh, so far this season. As you mentioned, John Philippe Gabamin, he was meant to be the replacement for Idrissa Guy, but he got 135 minutes under his belt before he picked up a thigh injury, which is going to rule him out. To at least the new year, you know. Hopefully, hopefully he will be able to integrate himself back quickly. Uh, Fabian Delph was another one who was brought in over the summer. He's had niggling injuries. Uh, I don't think he's the similar type of player. Perhaps not as dynamic. No, he's not. As, he's he's not. I, I wouldn't class him as a defensive midfielder personally. I think he's more of a a box to box sort of player. But he can play in that defensive midfield role, and you know he's so experienced. You know he's worked under Pep Guardiola. He's obviously adept defensively because he's played left back as well. But Everton haven't even been able to call upon him. Instead, it's been left to more often than not Morgan Schneiderlin, uh, who's been stepping into that position. And while he does have a lot of good qualities about him, I think he also reads the game fairly well. I think he's probably better on the ball. And it addresses a guy in terms of like his passing range, etc. He's just he's so much less dynamic. He's not he's not as quick. Um, he's not as eager, let's say, to throw himself into a tackle, which I think is is leaving Everton a little bit Everton's back two in particular a little bit exposed. I think things were helped uh, over the last couple of weeks with the introduction of Mason Holgate, who does have that sort of dynamism about him as a centre back. So. That it's maybe covered for the lack of pace and ingenuity that Gay had in that position, maybe. But it it it, it has been absolutely huge, and I, again, it's it's somewhere where I do really feel for Silver because there was nothing really that Everton could do once PSG came in for just a guy a second time. You know, it was always the case that he wanted to move. Everton identified the replacement; they brought him in. And there's nothing they could do about him picking up an unfortunate injury. And yeah, I think I think probably I think just behind 
not having an experienced striker and maybe just behind not being able to find a replacement for Kurt Zuma uh, in defence, that loss of Idrissa Guy has been absolutely crucial to Everton really struggling this season. Well, Adam, as I said at the top, thanks for actually giving me some company in the studio this week. <laughs> uh, it been great to, to pick your brains and find out all about Everton ahead of the derby. It would be wrong of me again to wish you luck ahead of the game but hope you don't freeze do it, do it, anyway. Too, do it anyway hope you don't freeze too much <laughs> at Anfield that's all we've got time for now here on uh, Behind Enemy Lines here on the Blood Red Podcast thank you to you the listener for keeping us company as well and until next time it's bye for now you've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel